Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined today by my colleague, Joshua Salser, uh, who's an associate in our firm. And we're here today to talk about the recent proposed rule from the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, that is seeking to ban restrictive covenants, more specifically non-compete clauses. Uh, on January 5th, 2023, the FTC proposed a sweeping new rule that would prohibit worker-related non-compete clauses nationwide. Non-compete clauses are frequently used in healthcare contracts, as we all know, so this rule would be a major shakeup for the healthcare industry. And before we get into the substance of things today, I want to remind everybody that this uh, is for uh, discussions for information purposes only. This is not legal advice. You should always consult with a lawyer about your specific situation prior to getting involved with uh, a contract, signing a contract, or taking any kind of legal action. So with that being said, uh, hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to be here, and it's good to be chatting about the uh, the hot topic of what the FTC is up to with this new proposed rule. I think this was something that was uh, brought out, I guess, uh, maybe six months ago. There were grumblings of this, and people were, were a little bit surprised. So I think sort of the impact of this has had a little time to settle. But now we have this proposed rule, which is you know the next step for uh, for the FTC. So. Tell our listeners, Josh, what would the proposed rule actually prohibit? Right. So the proposed rule is quite broad. It would prohibit employers from entering into or attempting to enter into a non-compete clause with a worker, of maintaining a non-compete clause with a worker, or representing to a worker that the worker is subject to a non-compete clause when the employer has no good faith basis to believe that that's the case. The definition of worker here is also quite broad. It covers not only employees, but also independent contractors, among others. Yeah, so that's, that, that's a, big, uh, a big one. Um, now, are there any exceptions to the proposed rule? Yeah, there is one big exception that's explicitly included in the proposed rule. It would not apply to non-compete clauses that are entered into by a person selling a business, so long as that person owns at least 25% of the business being sold. And as we all know, that is an important exception for healthcare uh, contracts going forward, as nearly all of the practice purchases and sales include non-compete clauses for the seller. Right. So in the standard practice transition, we're talking about an asset purchase agreement. And that's something that we obviously uh, negotiate fairly heavily uh, for uh, in our deals for our clients. But a buyer is going to want to know that the seller is not able to go across the street, hang out a shingle, buy a practice, and, and basically take their goodwill someplace else. But the good news with this proposed rule is that it would not impact those transactions. Right, exactly. And similarly, I guess, buy-ins as well, equity buy-ins, as long as the person owns uh, at least 25%. Yep. So, and that, that's really a huge thing. And, you know, I think when you look at the damage that can be done by someone uh, who is competing with your practice, the person that you're buying the practice with can certainly pose a lot more trouble generally than, than an associate could. Right. So it's good that that's out there. Uh, will this proposed rule as, as of now, will it apply to existing non-compete clauses? So non-competes that were entered into prior to any kind of FTC rule. 
yes, this is this was another big part of the proposed rule that it would apply to even existing non-compete clauses. And any employers that have these existing non-compete non-compete clauses would need to notify any worker or former worker that they have a non-compete agreement with that that agreement is no longer in effect. And we're going to talk about sort of what this rule is and isn't and the, the likelihood, I guess, of it turning into uh, into an actual rule, because now I guess I said the rule, but the proposed rule. Um, from a legality and challenge standpoint, this is one of the things that as a lawyer I look at and scratch my head and say, how can the FTC just come along and start to uh, undo existing arrangements? Because people make business decisions, obviously, in reliance of these contractual provisions. They may share certain confidential information with people in reliance of the fact that they know that they can't then trade on that and, and compete. So this is one of those, Josh, where I kind of scratch my head and, and wonder how how that this this could this aspect at least could survive a challenge. Yeah, yeah certainly this is one of the, the hot topics of controversy surrounding this proposed rule. Um, all right, so uh, why uh, why is the FTC doing this? The FTC has been looking into this issue for quite a few years now, and as part of this proposed rule, they made an argument that non-compete clauses prevent workers from leaving their jobs and decrease competition, which leads to lower wages and stifles entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, according to the FC FTC's estimate, about 30 million people in the U.S. are subject to non-compete clauses, so it, it would affect quite a lot of people. And they estimate that this proposed rule could actually increase Americans work, American workers' earnings by nearly $300 billion per year. So quite a lot of money they're talking about here, at least in their estimate. Yeah, wow, that's some. Uh, that's a good sell on that. I, I, I find uh, those numbers, again, I am a little skeptical. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we, uh, while we do help associates uh, with their uh, agreement reviews, we most of our clients are people that are purchasing practices or are practice owners. It's hard to see how this would have that kind of impact on the economy. And you know, there's obviously a compelling reason to to have them. And uh, it's interesting to me, too, Josh, that you, know, you talk about this increasing American workers' earnings by $300 billion per year. I say you, mentioning that the FTC said that. I'm not attributing that to you, Josh. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but, you know, it seems like you're just shuffling the deck, so to speak, you know, and uh, if you own a practice and and a an associate leaves and takes 20% of the revenue with them, then you know it's maybe that associate is able to make more money someplace else, but that that's decreasing somebody else's wages. You know, it's sort of like the pie is always so big. I find it hard to believe that by getting rid of these, it's going to make the pie bigger. Um, in fact, I find that to be impossible, but. Uh, I don't fault the FTC for trying to sell it. That's the right? numbers they've got here. Right. That's, I'm just Sounds gonna, good. Don't shoot the messenger. Dramatic. They're dramatic. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot the messenger. It's a, a dramatic portrayal of what of, of this impact. Uh, and, and I guess if uh, if that were truly the case, then that would make it more compelling. But I'm again skeptical about that. Um, how would um, obviously you know there are things that we could think about, but talk to the, the folks about how this would impact practice owners. Right. So the, the, the proposed rule would, of course, create new challenges for practice owners. Practice owners, as we all know, often use non-compete clauses in agreements with associates to protect their interests. If they can't use those kind of provisions anymore, hiring an associate would come with the added risk that 
the associate could leave and start working nearby, potentially drawing away patients or clients from that practice owner. And like we talked about, practice owners would also need to spend time and resources to ensure that they're complying with this rule, including that, that notice requirement and rescinding all existing non-compete agreements that we, like we talked about. Right. So uh, it would definitely have, have a cost and an impact uh, on, on the practice owners like that. Yeah. And I think when we're talking about this, there are, we're talking about generally about restrictive covenants in this context. This this rule only speaks to covenants not to compete. So what we're talking about is that somebody can't work in a certain area for a certain period of time generally. Uh, this would not seemingly limit the ability to use non-solicitation provisions, correct? Right. There's a certain part of the proposed rule that uh, would prohibit certain extreme kind of other restrictive covenants if it, if it uh, gets into the territory of being a non-compete, but okay. essentially non-solicitation and confidentiality provisions could still continue as long as they don't stray too far. Right. So you know, this does not mean that associates would be able to download a patient list and send emails to patients if they went someplace else. Exactly. So is that right. like, so that, and some of that is contractual where you would have a non-solicitation and then there's also trade secret laws, you know, uniform trade secret act, uh, that most states have adopted some version of still protects the practice against that kind of stuff. Right. So if you were able to, even if this rule does go into effect, I think that there is still going to be room for practice owners to devise a strategy where uh, non-solicitation provisions that would include prohibitions against advertising and contacting clients, you'd be able to, to, to put in place to, to try to bridge the gap um, that's now would then be there from for, for not having this non-compete. Yes, absolutely. Um, how would this... Uh, potential role impact associates, Josh? Yeah, the, the benefits of the proposed rule for associates are, are clear and obvious in what we would think of in that currently non-compete clauses can prevent associates from working at, buying, or starting a practice in a location that's desirable for them. They're already working, uh, they're already working in the area, they're familiar with it, um, they've developed patients and, and client relationships. Um, if these barriers were removed for, for them, then the associate would have a broader area where they could work. So the benefits are, are pretty clear in what you would think. Um, associates would also have to think, though, about certain potential negative consequences that could come out of this proposed rule. Without non-compete clauses, employers might be less willing to hire associates mm -hmm. or give them full access to patients or confidential information. Uh, since they would have to worry about the risk of the associate leaving to work potentially next door uh, and drawing away those patients or clients. Yeah, which you know, that and ultimately that could impact compensation levels for associates too. And, and I would think that uh, potentially if there are certain quote-unquote good patients in the practice that are high-ticket items, that the practice center may not want to share those with the associate. So it may not just be a free ticket here for the associate. There, like you said, that it could have some impact. I think, too, that uh, listeners should be aware that this is just the FTC proposed rule. Uh, there are state laws in a number of states that have already been passed that prohibit or limit uh, covenants not to compete. California, North Dakota, and Oklahoma uh, passed outright bans uh, as of the time of this recording. Uh, another 21 states have limited them. 
Uh, I know that some states, such as New Hampshire and Connecticut, uh, allow them uh, but limit them for physicians. Uh, and I think now New Jersey is in the early stages of proposing uh, legislation that would greatly limit and restrict the enforceability of these provisions. So there's a movement out there at the state level to curtail some of these already, uh, as you noted, Washington, Oregon, uh, being some others. So uh, again, this is one of those things, as I said at the outset, um, you, know, you really need to consult with legal counsel uh, on any specific employment matter, especially when it comes to this stuff, because it really does vary from, from state to state. So regardless of what the FTC does, uh, listeners may be in a state where they're already uh, faced with restrictions on their ability to impose these or include these non-compete covenants in their agreements. Uh, Josh, when would the, uh, the proposed rule, if it were to be uh, turned into a final rule, when would that uh, be effective? Yeah, the, uh, the compliance date in the proposed rule is 180 days, so about six months after the final, any final rule is issued. So this is just a proposed rule. The FTC is currently accepting comments from the public that they have to consider as part of their rulemaking process, and they're doing that until March 10th, 2023. Um, then they will consider the comments and could issue a final rule anytime thereafter. And so a lot of groups are already weighing in on that, obviously, and, and business groups and organizations and trade groups to, to object to this. Uh, can the rules still change, Josh? Yes, absolutely. After receiving public comments like we talked about, um, the FTC will then consider them and consider any kind of changes that they want to make in any final ruling. There could be significant changes from the proposed rule to any final rule, and the FTC could also choose not to issue any final rule at all. Okay, and in which case they would just just die into and fade into the ether, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and this is something we talked about a couple of times during the session, but uh, the legality of this and the challenges. Uh, does the FTC have the power to do this? So that's, uh, that's a controversial question here. Uh, a lot of critics are arguing that the FTC does not actually have the power to make this broad of a ruling. Uh, the proposed rule is certainly expected to be challenged in court uh, once any final rule is issued, and litigation could delay the effectiveness of the rule, alter its scope, or even potentially prevent any kind of new rule entirely. Yeah, it's hard. It's still hard for me as somebody that's been a lawyer for 28 years now. Uh, to see how the FTC could kind of do an end around here and really pass what I consider to be legislation. Um, I, I have you know, sort of concerns about this at a couple levels. One is, is this uh, really something that the federal government should get involved in? As we talked about, there's probably close to half the states in this country have already looked at this issue and proposed or, or passed legislation or have legislation in process. It's probably even more now uh, than, than half. Uh, but then also, you know, does the fact that it's happening at the federal level, but then also the fact that it's not happening through the legislature, through the federal legislative process, just through an agent, federal agency uh, implementing uh, something that would have such an impact and a legal impact on, uh, on business owners makes me, uh, makes me wonder, you know, again, how that, how that could be. And obviously, that's the short version of some of the challenges, I guess, that, that we're right. seeing. Right, those are the two hot button challenge issues is whether 
the FTC should leave this to the states to do it or whether it should be up to Congress instead of uh, an FTC, F, the FTC, a federal agency. Ah, the old federalism debate, right? Big question. Don't want to don't want to touch that here. No, no. That was that was done in law school, Josh. We stopped talking about that kind of stuff. Constitutional law and all that, all that jazz. I vaguely remember it. Uh, Though it's been a few decades. But uh, just to wrap up, Josh, uh, what should practice owners and associates do now in response to this proposed rule? Yeah, as we talked about, the proposed rule is not currently in effect. It could uh, certainly change uh, how it ends up being, and it will take time to develop into becoming effective if it becomes effective at all. Uh, so we are closely monitoring updates as they occur. So if you have any questions about this proposed rule or how non-compete non clauses affect you, your practice, your associateship, uh, please feel free to reach out to us, and we're happy to help. Yeah, it sounds good. And I'll just repeat again, you know, this uh, session has been for informational purposes only. It doesn't constitute legal advice or create a lawyer-client relationship. Uh, so much of these issues are state-specific, and they are ever, always changing, too. So be sure to reach out to uh, to an attorney before you make any kind of decision in this in this realm. And thanks for taking the time today, Josh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone.